You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Happy Saturday, Michael. Uh, yes, it is Saturday for me, isn't it? Yep. It is Friday for you, Friday night. Thank you for, for giving up some of your Friday night for me, Andre. Oh, Michael, I've missed you terribly, and I'm sure at this point the listeners are. We turned the podcast over to uh, Conrad Edgebick last week, and I think we just made a mess of everything. <laughs> Conrad has a way of doing that. <laughs> um, you know what I miss, Andre? I, believe it or not, uh, and I think you Wait, and I, I are on the same page here. You miss Chardonnay. I, you miss Chardonnay. I miss the heat. I, no, mean, I, I miss the cold. I miss the cold. No, you miss the Chardonnay. Oh, I don't miss Chardonnay. There's a lot of Chardonnay here, and I'm going to be seeing more of it. So, I guess you're now back in Australia. I am. And you were recently yeah. in New Zealand, and this is sort of part one of a two-part overview of what the hell you've been doing for the past few weeks. Yeah, uh, I did uh, I did a 15 days in New Zealand. I did uh, North Island, and obviously then South Island. Drove the whole way. Uh, beautiful country. I can't I can't tell you how how gorgeous it is. And everybody said on the North Island, they go, "Oh, you going to South Island?" I'm like, "Yeah." They go, "Oh, you're gonna love it better." And they're right. Like South Island is a hundred percent more beautiful, and yet more people live on the North Island than the South Island. Can't figure it out. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, there's like 4.5 million people in New Zealand, and 3.5 of them live on the North Island. Well. Uh, you know, we're going to break this down into North Island and South Island. So you had a chance to do some tasting on the North Island first. And we're going to do, a, yep. uh, we're going to throw out a couple of interviews, which I'm going to take care of. But uh, if you had to sum up the North Island of New Zealand in, I don't know, five words, because I know we've done that to some other winemakers in the region. If you had to sum it up into five words, what would you say? North Island in five words? Yeah, about to do with wine, about wine. Oh, about wine. Uh, um, do they have to be in a sentence or just can random words? Oh, Jesus, Michael. Why do you got to make this difficult? Just give me five words. Uh, interesting, warm, Syrah, red blends. Well, that's five. Different hyphenated Sauvignon. No, 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 no. Red blends is two. Red blends is two words. So you got your five Different already. Different Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. No, that hyphenated. That's red blend is hyphenated. You got to hyphenate certain things. Okay, okay, okay. I'll give that much to you. Sauvignon Blanc is also two words. You gave me six words, but that's okay. You know what? I think I'll go really quick and ask you about Sauvignon Blanc because, as many people who listen to this podcast know, I've been fairly critical of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, and I'm actually in the middle of uh, writing a, a piece for Quench magazine about Chilean Sauvignon Blanc for an upcoming issue. Um, so I can plug in here too. I'm, I've got uh, a piece on uh, New Zealand Pinot Noir coming up. Probably same issue. Oh, well, the, we can we can they can see our work side by side. Um, so what's the biggest difference between let's say Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc, which has a huge presence in uh, in North America, and North Island Sauvignon Blanc? Uh, North Island Sauvignon Blanc is very aware of South Island. I don't think you cannot be aware of. Uh, South Island and Marlborough. Um, a lot of people in the North Island do make Sauvignon Blanc, and some of them bring up fruit from Marlborough to play with. But when you're growing it yourself, 
and on your own estate in your home vineyard, one of the things you're doing is more lease contact, maybe a little bit of barrel work, um, a little bit more ageability. There's not the grassy gooseberry grapefruit notes. I think a lot of North Islanders are getting away from that. They want to give the wines more texture, more interesting. And because it's no North Island, you're in a warmer area, uh, you get it a little riper. So for your taste buds, I think you would like North Island Sauvignon Blanc much better than you would like South Island, just because you like the grape to be a little bit riper. Whereas in Marlboro, they're just on that cusp of of ripening it, so that's why we get those greenish capsicum notes, which which are not necessarily a bad thing. I just feel like the amplification of those notes has gotten a little out of hand. But I actually appreciate you pointing out that I would like the North Island because we're at the point where I now have people when I'm tasting wine with them say, "Oh, but you don't like Sauvignon Blanc," and she's like, "No, that's not the case at all. I'm especially a fan of some of the Sauvignon Blanc coming out of Ontario these days right now." I just want things with a little bit more focus and a little bit less vegetable. But uh... well, I I I, see, I think I've learned what you what you like now. It's you like ripeness. There is unripe Sauvignon Blanc, which is very much a lot of what Marlboro was was doing, and we can get into that when we talk South Island. But you want it to be a riper version, not California ripe, because that I find is too ripe. But you want. A good balance of that acidity, that alcohol, but also that uh, that that more tropical, maybe uh, a little bit of you know lees contact yes. it gives it a little bit not vanilla, but it gives it almost a, a slightly creamy quality without being without being chardonnay. If you kind of know what I mean, weight. it gives yeah, it gives it some weight on the mid palate. It kind of lets that tropical fruit linger for a few seconds. It's something that Derek Barnett at Meldville does really, really well. It's something that uh, I know Rosewood is going to have coming out very shortly that they're doing very, very well. It's just, I mean, it's it's just dealing with, with ripeness. But anyways, I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to track down some of these bottles from the North Island and doing a bit more research into New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. And just so this doesn't get too long, let's move along and talk about Syrah. You said Syrah. Let's talk about New Zealand Syrah. Well, as you can hear, I, uh, I'm near an airport, by the way. I don't know if you can hear the airplane going on. I decided to sit outside because it's just too hot inside. It's freaking 26 degrees and it's 10 o'clock in the morning, Andre. This, oh, cry and it's me a just going to get hotter. Today. Cry me a river. Continue. Oh, my God. I'm sweating like a like a whore in church. Um, oh, jeez. Syrah. Yes. Hawks. Hawks Bay is really where you're talking, Syrah. And we see a little bit of Syrah here and there from Hawks Bay. If you go to the New Zealand Wine Fair, you're going to see a little bit of uh, of Syrah when you're there. But the Hawks Bay is, is doing some just phenomenal Syrah. And if you saw my newsletter this week, you saw, I think, two of them uh, were, the, were, were the best wines that I tried in New Zealand. And outstanding, from Elephant Hill, from Ask Valley, but there are so many more doing great Syrah. And it's cool climate Syrah. And it's, oh, and it's amazing how many people want to tell me that they're a cool climate region. I, I don't know if they don't realize that Ontario is a cool climate region. So they try to explain cool climate to me, and I feel like going, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so, I mean, you're talking about something that's got a little bit more of that, like, that black pepper, that spice note. The fruit's a little bit more restrained. The acids are a little bit higher. Just things that are a little bit lighter, maybe a little bit meatier. Just, you're, you're talking about uh, something a little bit more elegant than, I guess, 
the Syrah that they make on the uh, in the country that you're in right now, which is Australia. Yeah, it's it's not a bang on your head Shiraz. It's Syrah. It's like that, as you said, lovely black pepper that they've got. That acidity. The alcohol is only like 13, 13, 13 and a half. It's really elegant Syrah. Not that Australia doesn't make elegant Syrah. I am doing a tour of some cool climate regions here, and I'm going to see some Sir Shiraz while I'm here, obviously. But the elegance in some of these uh, Cox Bay Syrah are amazing. And let me tell you, one of the best wines that I had while I was here was from Craggy Range, and it was a Merlot. I was shocked at how good that was, just to get out of the Syrah Ballywack for the moment. Well, so for those of you who haven't seen Michael's newsletter, there are some really impressive tasting notes on there that'll have you yearning for the Southern Hemisphere. Go to michaelpincuswinereview.com, and uh, you had a chance to sit down with some winemakers. I'm not going to let you jump in here, because I know you throw right to me in these interviews. It's almost like you did this live, just to rub it in my face that I'm not there. Hey, Andre, I'm here with um, Larry McKenna. I got that name right, right? That's probably one of the easier names to pronounce, I think. And uh, Larry here at Escarpment started it in uh, 1998. And um, what we've been trying here in Martinborough is Pinot Noir. And then I'm sure Larry's going to have something to say about my dissing of his Chardonnay. So let me start by talking Pinot before Larry gets to take a shot at me about Chardonnay. Uh, Larry, explain to me why Martinborough is the place to be growing Pinot Noir. We see this part of New Zealand as relatively cool climate, which we think is one of the prerequisites for Pinot Noir. It's an early ripening variety. We want it to stay on the vines as long as possible, so with a cooler summer, a longer growing season, we develop great flavours and better structures and still retain the acidities. Now explain to me the kinds of soil, what makes it different from, say, Marlborough. We do have some similarities with Melbourne, but we are very reliant on a deep alluvial gravel soil type, which has been created by successive floodings of the Hungarua River, um, which is a matter of uh, less than a kilometre from our vineyard, and every time it's flooded, it's created this very deep alluvial gravel soil type, which vines flourish in. So how many different Pinots do you make? We tried two today. We tried an escarpment Pinot, which I thought was absolutely delicious, lots of juiciness to it. Uh, and then we tried a, I can never pronounce these Maori names. How do you pronounce that one? Tirahua. Tirahua. And then you have another one that's called? Kiwa, God of the Pacific. And what does Tirahua mean? Tirahua is a navigational star that we know as Antares. Something, this all nautical themes, uh, Andre, I'm telling you right now. But um, so, so how many different Pinots do you make? Uh, five, essentially. We have three single vineyards, escarpment as a district blend, and an entry-level wine we call the edge after the word escarpment. So the entry-level is usually uh, very little new oak uh, and much fruitier, softer, more approachable wine in its youth. Uh, designed for drinking uh, up to five years, and then the the other single vineyards and escarpment, much more complex, structured, and age-worthy. So, because we only tried two, I realize that you're holding out on me, is what you've done. So, that's very nice of you. Thanks. I'd like to keep you uh, fresh. Yeah, thanks a lot. We'll, we'll have to come back and try the other three sometime. So, so the Pinots are, are made, uh, the, the, the 
escarpment pinot is made in a 12-month style, so it's fresher, livelier, juicier. The, all the single vineyards are made in an 18-month, um, and then you bottle age them, bottle aging, bottle, uh, bottle aging, the whole thing. And they really were, this, this Tirahua is just an absolute uh, stunner of a, of a pinot, so I've got to compliment you on that. But then, uh, well, before that, we tried your Chardonnay. And you only make the one Chardonnay? Yes, we do. We've, we are planning on another single vineyard site, which is planted, and we're waiting for that to get enough vine age to be a single vineyard Chardonnay. But at the moment, we just have the escarpment district blend. So um, and I want you to explain to me how you make this Chardonnay. So this is very much early harvest, so slightly lower potential alcohols, higher acids, and then barrel fermented on full solids was the terminology we would use. So we're taking juice direct from the press tray to barrel, barrel fermenting it. So the wines come out very complex and, and uh, very, uh, well, complex is the word, yeah, very interesting. They, they have a, a, another layer of flavours over and above the fruit and the oak. So I, I called it I called it funk. Larry did agree with me down in the barrel room, but then when I tasted this final product and I said that's a little bit of funk, there's definitely an audience for this Chardonnay. Um, he was not convinced that I was right. Well, we don't mind funk. We, we, we like funk, and that's what gives the wine some interest. But what we have to be is true to our place. So this is, we said, a cool climate place, cool climate great growing region and the wines don't develop the depth of fruit to be as standalone on fruit and oak so we do need to support the fruit and the oak with some other layers of flavour and complexity and, and make a wine that's more I think in loose terms more cool climate style. Something else that I found was really interesting is that you make Pinot Blanc, which is not something that we find here in New Zealand very often, so I thought really quickly we'd just touch upon what made you think about growing Pinot Blanc, uh, and then um, how you make it, because it really is delicious. Great, thank you. Yeah, well, uh, Pinot Blanc fits in with our ethos that this, is, this region's a great place to grow Pinot Noir, therefore we argue Chardonnay and Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc being the two genetic variations of Pinot Noir. And if we say this is a, we believe this is an ideal place to grow Pinot Noir, therefore Pinot Blanc and Chardonnay, Pinot Gris. So Pinot Blanc for us, quite unusual, the only one from this district. And uh, we, we're enjoying more and more what we'd regard as elegant, um, cool climate expressions made in a dry style as table wines. So that wine is uh, barrel fermented in very old oak, so there's very little oak flavour, but a lot of barrel influence. So we don't want oak flavour in the wine, we just want the influence of the small vessel in the fermentation. So the wine comes out, yeah, a little bit more complex than it might, but uh, still with that nice, savoury, spicy expression of Pinot Blanc. And, yeah, fantastic wine to start an evening, um, get it out of the fridge first on a great summer's night, and um, there's a friend of mine says evaporates very quickly. I can see that because uh, I really like that wine. So it was one of, one of my favorites uh, of the tasting. Uh, Larry and I have agreed that we will get together one day for a glass of wine. He will be drinking Chardonnay. I will either go Pinot Noir or Pinot Blanc. Good work. I'll look forward to it.
Thanks very much, Andre. Um, that's all from Martinboro for the moment. Uh, I wish you could be trying some of this Pinot or the uh, Pinot Blanc or the Pinots. Even the Pinot Gris was good, and you know how much I hate Pinot Gris. Well, that's enough about Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, Pinot whatever. Uh, what else did you taste down there, Michael? Andre, I'm here in uh, Hawke's Bay with uh, winemaker Hugh Crichton of Vital. We would say Vidal, but uh, they call it Vital here. And Hugh makes some, I know you're going to be shocked when I tell you this, some really great Chardonnay, and he has some sort of love for Chardonnay that I personally can't understand. So let's first, let's first get, um, Hugh, tell me your background. Uh, so my background is, is not wine. Uh, I, was, I did a Bachelor of Commerce at university and then worked for a bank for a while and ended up um, heading to London and uh, doing some accounting in the city there and um, decided that the suit and tie wasn't for me. So traded that um, to do further study uh, to get a work visa, really. And I was interested in wine, was going to study commerce, but um, I thought, what the hell, why don't I study something I'm interested in? which was wine, and that sort of started the love affair, really. So uh, from there, I've done a few further studies and um, numerous, numerous vintages around the world. So, yeah, came, from, came into the industry through the love of wine. And I can tell you he is not wearing a suit and tie in any way, shape, or form. Uh, in fact, he has some nice legs. All right, so you, when we were trying these wines, and there was some fantastic stuff here. Uh, there's a great legacy uh, Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot. There's a, a, a legacy Syrah. In Ontario, we're going to see uh, a Marlboro Pinot Noir. Uh, we're going to see a Reserve Chardonnay from Hawke's Bay and a uh, Sauvignon Blanc Reserve. Yeah. Reserve also. So those three are definitely going to make their way into the LCBO, into the Wines of the World and LCBO.com. But I was really shocked about this Chardonnay. This Reserve Chardonnay was, was lovely. Uh, and, I, and I told you, Hugh, that it was my favorite Chardonnay that I've tasted so far. And you've got a legacy Chardonnay. And then I asked you, and I hope you can, you can repeat these, whatever you told me, in fact, embellish, if you will. Yeah. What is it, the, the Chardonnay? What makes you love Chardonnay so much? Because it is your favorite grape. Am I correct on that, at least? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right, Michael, without question. Um, why, why, I mean, I love Chardonnay because I just love drinking the stuff. I mean, uh, for me, it's one of the great wines of the world. And, uh, you know, I first fell in love with Chardonnay. Uh, and uh, dare I say it, but please don't repeat this, with Australian Chardonnay when I was very much a novice of wine. And um, I probably liked it for the wrong reasons. I liked it because I could notice the oak and I could say, hey, that's oak. Um, and I like that sort of malo buttery character. But I soon grew tired of it and developed into uh, loving more complex wines that have, that were fermented naturally, that had judicious amounts of French oak, that had lees contact and stirring. And those wines um, largely come from Burgundy, in my experience. I mean, of course, there's great Chardonnays made all around the world, but that was an area that I travelled to a hell of a lot when we were living in London, and I fell in love with that wine style in particular. And there's no question that um, many other wine regions of the world can make wines that have complexity like those wines can, that have freshness of acidity, moderate alcohols, uh, that produce wines that are age-worthy um, and, and, you know, have the ability to have power and restraint. So, you know, concentration and powerfulness 
but then wrapped up with um, really nice acidity to give the wines restrained. So, you know, those are a few of the reasons why I like Chardonnay. Um, for me, it's one of the great wines of the world. And as you know, um, you know, Chardonnay commands some of the highest prices. So you've got to ask, why is that? And, you know, there's lots of reasons for it. One is might be supply, might be limited. One might be, you know, Burgundy's driving it. But a lot of it comes down to greatness of a wine. And people who judge wine on pure quality um, will can look at wines blindly and say, that is an incredible wine. Whether it's Sauvignon Blanc or Riesling or Chardonnay, it doesn't really matter. And often that's what determines the price. So I don't think there's any question that Chardonnay makes great wines in the world. We just have to fully convince Michael of that. <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, Hawke's Bay is really one of the great Chardonnay regions of the world, without question. Well, Andre, I, I will have to say I did enjoy this Chardonnay. Uh, I don't like to admit it very often when I like a, a, a Chardonnay, but uh, this one was something that I... I know when I get back, I'm going to be looking for it on the shelves. Uh, and I know my wife is going to love it as well. So, uh, Hugh, I thank you for your time. Uh, it's been a great day. You know, Michael, I'm really starting to feel that this uh, ABC club you keep claiming to be a member of is turning into a club of one. I, I seem to be president these days. Well, you got to be president of, of, of something. And the thing is, you being president of the ABC Club almost makes you as crazy as the president of a certain country that's just south of us. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. Oh, I just played my nope. trump card. I just played my trump card. All right, well, you know what? You keep doing what you're doing. I've been busy tasting through stuff here in uh, in, in Niagara and, and around. I've got some. Before cool you stuff. go on, I want you to say. I want to say one thing. Okay, go ahead. Before you go on. Look, there's good people on both sides. Oh, okay, my God. Go ahead. All right. Well, you know, this is sort of part one, and I'm looking forward to part two where we talk about the South Island, and I get to hopefully shit on New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc some more, as it's one of my favorite things to do. And uh, Andre, really quickly, what have you tried in Niagara that's really good? I'm missing I'm missing Niagara wine, so tell ooh. me some uh, two wines, two or three wines that are really good. Uh, 16 Mile has a couple of unfiltered Pinot Noirs from the 2014 vintage coming out, and they are they're going to redefine what value priced Pinot Noir is in the province. Period. Nice. Okay. Love love 16 Mile. Good. All right. Things I have to try when I get back. All right. So you can keep following Michael's adventures at michaelpinkaswinereview.com. Follow him. On his social media at the Grape Guy, I'm saying this part just because the internet connection you're sort of cutting in and out, and then, frankly, people like my voice better than yours. Uh, you can follow my stuff at Andre Wine Review, my website and social media. And uh, Michael, do you want to so sign untrue. this off? So untrue. Do you want to sign this off? <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.